0: You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Wow, well, really is great to see you here, great to have you here, and um, who is enjoying being in church so far? Yeah, just, isn't it a good thing to come and lift up Jesus? Well, if you're visiting, and and particularly those that are here with the dedication, if you're visiting for any reason, a welcome to you, great to have you here uh, among us in our second service here at CLM. I'm going to dive straight in today, and if you've got a Bible, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 5. Uh, We're not going to stay in this scripture for the entirety of today's message, but we're going to use it as a foundation for where we're headed today. Revelation chapter 5. If you've been in and around church for any length of time, you may be familiar with these words. And uh, this is what the Bible says, Revelation 5. I think it's going to come on the screen as well breaking in at verse 4 the bible says i wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside then one of the elders said to me do not weep see the lion of the tribe of judah the root of david has triumphed he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people." And they sang a new song saying you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and on the sea, and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, be praise, and honour, and glory, and power, for ever, and ever. And not on your screen, but the next verse says, The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. I wonder this morning if we can say, Amen. 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 This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, uh, the title of my message today is, The Lamb Wins. The lamb wins, or or the power of humility. The lamb wins is a phrase that that came across our path many years ago, and we have adopted it into our family. Occasionally, there are times of of the challenge to, to wrestle, to struggle, to fight for yourself, and we just say the lamb wins. We understand there is power in humility. If you're new to the Bible, you'll find what we've just read to be incredible language. To give you a bit of backdrop, uh, John, who was arguably the closest disciple to Jesus, is on an island called Patmos, and Jesus, who has been crucified, raised from the dead, and ascended to the Father, appears to him in person. And puts his hand upon him, this glorified Christ, the one who has returned to the father's side, and John has an incredible vision and sees some things that are then written down in the book of revelation, some things that are yet to come to pass, and most of revelation it is pictorial language. it is difficult for us to truly understand, but we grasp some of the themes and here, what is going on in heaven is there is a scroll that needs to be opened, it has to be opened, but the Christ Goes out that there is not one found worthy to open up the scroll, and and something of the burden of that, something of the weight of that impacts John in his vision, and he starts to weep. He says, "I wept and wept," but then he hears a voice saying, "Don't, you don't need to weep because there is one that's been found worthy." And he says, "The Lion of the Tribe of Judah." That's what we just read. We were singing earlier, "The Lion and the Lamb." Let's be clear: the Lion and the Lamb is the same person. He says there is one found worthy which we understand to be Jesus who is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is altogether mighty. He is altogether powerful. He is altogether ferocious. He is the one who is capable of all things. There is nothing that he is afraid of. He is the one uh, whom all should fear and he is incredible and beyond reach. There is none like him. He is the lion, not the king of the jungle but the king of the ages. And yet John looks up to see the lion, and what he sees is a lamb. And, and if we understand what is going on here, the lion has become the lamb. The, the lion, the mighty one, has humbled himself so greatly and so deeply. This almighty, powerful one has become so gentle and vulnerable, has sacrificed him, his very self that he appears as a lamb in heaven. But the cry goes out in heaven, worthy. 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 Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lion who has so humbled himself. And we see something of the power of humility. Jesus didn't win a victory by force, but by humbling himself. And the lamb wins. And the cry in heaven is worthy is the lamb to receive honor and power and wisdom and wealth and strength and glory. This is Jesus The lamb wins. There is power in humility. And then I'd like to turn us uh, secondly to the book of Philippians again. For many of you familiar verses, Philippians 2. To see a parallel scripture where this pictorial imagery of revelation is actually spelled out for us uh, by Paul writing to the church at Philippi. But not only is he describing what Jesus did. He is saying and you church should emulate this. You you should live like this. You should learn from this one. This is what Philippians 2 says, breaking in at verse 3. Do nothing. Can we say nothing? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility. Can we say humility? Humility. Value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset. Or or the previous NIV says attitude. Carry an attitude. Carry a mindset of humility. It it says, in in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Nothing. I understand on the back of where we've been recently and some of our teaching, this might seem like a gear shift to to bring a character message. We we have to bring a balance of of teaching for a start. But also if we understand some of the language of of moving at another level, of moving to another level, we have to understand the way of the kingdom is not only to rise up but also to bow down. I remember the Lord speaking to me years ago and and challenging me. He said, bow low, bow low, bow. I remember I went through an experience where I had to humble myself. I was on my face and the Lord was saying, bow lower. And and I had to humble myself. And I I went through a a personal process in a time of prayer uh, of of humbling myself before God and feeling terrified before the Lord. And when I just about got hold of myself and recovered, he said, now rise up, rise up, rise up. And we have to understand that somehow the Christian walk, if we're going to live it to the max, is to rise up and be all God has called us to be, to be strong and courageous, and to live out our lives with utter humility. And this tension, if we can grab hold of it, will will cause us to position ourselves to be the servants of Christ. Our society isn't great at humility at the moment. I don't know if you've noticed. You know, we live in a world of celebrity culture and, you know, a lot of the TV shows, X Factor and The Apprentice, you get people coming in going, I'm amazing, I'm the next big thing, and then you hear them and you go, ooh, not so much. <laughs> you know, the people on there, I don't know if anyone watches The Apprentice, but, you know, every candidate comes going, and going, I'm amazing, I'm better than everybody else, like, I am so awesome, and then you see them play out and they're a complete numpty you know it's like what is that about a guy came up to me after the first service said you need to pray for me because I'm through to the second round of of the apprentice application I might be on the show (laughs) so believe me we will talk you know we've got world leaders with ridiculous egos haven't we I don't know if you've seen, saw the pictures of Kim Jong Un from North Korea with uh, everybody in a series of photoshops, different settings, with notepads hanging on every word. You know, they're the head of the military, and they're all there with their little notepads. Mm, mm. And he's just saying, "I had cornflakes. Oh, cornflakes, cornflakes. Oh, we must all eat cornflakes. Oh, you're so wise. It's absolute nonsense. Just propaganda." You know, President Putin, you know, if you, if you see the, the, the Russian propaganda, all the amazing things he's done. Amazing athlete, you know, he's a warrior, he's a, you know, incredibly intelligent, he's invented things. I mean, really? Seriously? I mean, maybe. Maybe not. You know, we're all aware of somebody who with no diplomatic or political experience had the temerity to run for president of the United States of America. And then we wonder why a few days in, he's wreaking havoc. Where is humility? Well, what happened to humility? But, you know, humility is a beautiful thing. When we see humility, it's beautiful. We love it. We're drawn to it. I love the story of Edmund Hillary, Sir Edmund Hillary, who uh, was the first... Uh, along with uh, Tensing Norgay the the Sherpa to conquer uh, and climb to the the summit of Mount Everest in 1953 and and he was renowned as a humble man he spent most of the rest of his life trying to help the the Himalayan people of Nepal and particularly the Sherpas but one time he was back up in the Himalayas and and a group of climbers recognized it was Sir Edmund and so they 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 said oh Sir Edmund Sir Edmund can we get a photo and he's like oh if we must if we must so they kind of gather for this photo and they put an ice pick in his hand hold this hold this so he he holds this ice pick and then another climber's walking up, doesn't recognize it's Sir Edmund and comes up to the group and says, excuse me, you're holding the ice pick wrong. And and, and he adjusts it in Sir Edmund's hands so he's holding it right. But instead of saying, do you know who I am? Like I have ice picks my way to there. He just says, thank you. Thank you. Not sarcastically, but thank you. And, and the crowd were like, what? Why do you say anything? You know, I, I love the story. There's, there's a book. Oh, I've, I've left it in my back. Sorry about this. There's too much going on this morning. The, um, but I'm going to grab it anyway. Sorry about that. The, um, this is a, a great story from the book Humilitas by John Dixon. Um, if uh, you've not come across this, this is a great book on the subject of humility. He tells this story. Friends of mine have told me a true story about some friends of theirs, a husband and wife partnership who own a posh jewellery store in Sydney, Australia. Some years ago, an American gentleman walked in asking to buy a pink argyle diamond, one of the most expensive items in the shop. During the credit card transaction, the computer uh, in the store froze, and the woman stared at the screen in embarrassment. The gentleman leant over the counter, offered a keystroke combination, and the machine came back to life. You know a little about computers, do you, she said. And he nodded and continued the transaction and quietly left the store. When the, uh, the woman's husband came back... She told him about the sale and the embarrassment over the computer, and they looked again at the customer credit card details and were shocked to read Mr. Bill Gates. It's a true story. Gates happened to be in town for a huge Microsoft convention at Sydney's Darling Harbour. The woman suddenly felt silly for having asked him, "You know a little bit about computers, do you?" You know. But for whatever reason, maybe he just wanted to get on his way. But we love the fact, like he didn't say, uh, "I am, I am Bill. I invented that computer." Yeah. I made it myself. Um, But you know, for us as believers, and I understand the majority in the room are seeking to be followers of Jesus, humility isn't intended to be an option. Humility is part of Jesus' manifesto. Jesus comes as a rabbi in Matthew 11 and says, take my yoke upon you. A, A yoke was a rabbi's teaching, his philosophy. He says, take my yoke upon you. And learn from me. And then he says this, which often gets glazed over in, in these verses, he says, For I am gentle and humble in heart. Take my yoke upon you, I, I am gentle and humble in heart. If we are going to follow Jesus, then we have to understand gentleness and humility are part of the charge. In Matthew twenty, his disciples were found arguing about greatness and who was the greatest, and he says, Whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave. You know, amazing, in in Luke, we find it's the the Last Supper as we come to know it. Jesus is breaking the bread, saying, this is my body broken for you. And a dispute breaks out at that point about who's the greatest. You kind of think, come on. And yet, really, are are we that different? In the prophetic scripture of Psalm 45, it it speaks about Jesus in, in his majesty riding forth victoriously on behalf of truth. Humility and justice, or truth, humility, and righteousness. That, like this mighty one that rides out as king of kings and lord of lords, has on his banner truth, humility, and justice. And those that would come be behind him should live according to this. But what is humility? Well, the dictionary will tell you that humility is the absence of pride or the absence of vanity. You know, if we, if we think that, that we have no pride, then we almost certainly are proud. If we think there is no vanity in us, then then we probably are vain. We just haven't searched our hearts deeply enough yet or allowed the Holy Spirit to search our hearts. If you look at the the Greek, Hebrew, and Latin words, uh, they all mean the same thing, and it's about lowering. It's To humble is to lower yourself. To have a low view, not of oneself, but of one's importance, but it is a lowering a humbling, a, 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 a setting down of oneself. Not holding a low view, or, it's not about low self-esteem, but it's holding oneself in an understanding of who one is, but choosing to lower that, choosing to serve and prefer others. It's not the same as humiliation. Humiliation is something that happens to you. Humility is something that you choose. Now, I don't know if anyone's experienced humiliation. I've experienced humiliation several times in my life. One that springs to mind readily was the first uh, time I, I took part in a father's race at my kids' school. You know, I, I thought, you know, I, we'd gone along, I'd taken the time off work and I'd gone to sports day to, to cheer the boys on and to, you know, hope they did well. And, and then they called for a father's race, any dads that were there to come and race against one another. And, you know, I thought the appropriate thing to do was to step up and... Uh, you know, I wasn't really wearing the right footwear, but telling you, that's just my own vanity uh, and my own pride. Um, but I, was, I wasn't really dressed for the occasion, but I, I thought, well, you know, you've got to go for it anyway. And I thought, it's, you know, it's only, it's only a father's race. But, uh, you know, I approached it walking down thinking, ah, it's only a father's race. But as I stood on the line, I thought, it's a father's race. <laughs> like something started to rise within me. And I looked along the line and I was glancing, some that looked fast, some that didn't look so fast. You never know till they get going. But there were some I thought, yeah, he he ain't going to get very far. And and others I I thought, well, we'll see. And and, and the gun went and I set off and I thought something rose within me of a competitive spirit. And I just was doing my utmost. I wanted to cause my kids to be proud of me. And I was, you know, I mean, you should look cool, but I was not looking cool. I mean, I was like giving it absolutely everything that I'd got. And we're about two thirds. It was a slight incline and we're kind of going up this slight incline. And uh, on this track, Uh, uh, we're about two thirds of the way. And I realized I'm second. And the guy who's in front of me, I mean, he's pipping me by like a a yard or two. Uh, He's a guy that I knew called Pete. And I thought, if I could just push, I can take this. And I made the fatal mistake of pushing too hard. And have you ever seen in a, an athletics race, like near the end, someone's pushing for the line and they push too hard. And it's not like they trip up and go down. It's an ungainly, protracted losing of control. That it looks all wrong and horrible. you know. That, and it's like there's nothing they can do. It's all out of shape and everyone's going, oh, and it was like that, and that was me. And then I went, I hit the deck and everyone went past me and I was last. And I, and I, I can remember like, you know, for weeks afterwards, picking the kids up in the playground and people, go, people going, hey, how you doing? I know they were thinking, you're that idiot. You're like, you're that idiot, aren't you? Yeah, I remember. Hi, yeah, yeah, cool, good to see you. Um, you know, and my kids were like, oh, dad, like, why? You know, why, why did you have to do that to us? You know, the next year came around, I mean, way before sports day, they were saying, just want to be clear on this one, dad, like, please. Please, no, no. like mum, Yes, yeah, she's cool because she won. But like dad, please don't, don't, just don't run. Just don't, just don't enter in. Okay, it's like we're good, we're good. I can remember like that next year I sat the race out, and the next year after that I thought I'm gonna go again. And, uh, and it's all right. Don't worry. It ended well. I, 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 I won that time. But it, but, but if you ask my kids, they have no recollection of that at all. All they can remember is the first one. (laughs) But humiliation is not the same as humility. Humiliation is something that happens to you that you didn't choose to happen to you. Humility is a choice you make. It's something that you do. Uh, John Dixon in his book, Humilitas, uh, it says it's not the absence of strength. It's not, it's not actually uh, having no strength or no ability, but it's rather choosing those things. He says, humility is the noble choice to forgo your status, deploy your resources, or use your influence for the good of others before yourself. The words we read in Philippians 2, in humility, value others above yourself. I'd like to suggest that humility's posture, its perspective is in and for and on others and not self. It thinks about the well-being of others. Humility looks to others' interests. It celebrates others. It serves others. It lifts others up. It is, in its essence, the absence of self. C.S. Lewis says it like this. Do not imagine if you meet a really humble man, he'll be thinking about his humility. The truth is, he will not be thinking about himself at all. Three thoughts inspired by the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Number one, humility is based in reality. True humility is based in reality. In Philippians 2 it says, Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage or the NRSV something to be exploited or or the New Living Translation something to cling to. He had no problem with who he was. Humility is, is neither the inflating of oneself nor, nor the diminishing of oneself. Jesus was humble. He humbled himself, but he had no problem with who he was. He didn't get all flustered when Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He was, oh, don't say that, don't say that. I'm all embarrassed. And you say I'm the Messiah, I'm, going, I'm blushing. Stop it, stop it. can't say Messiah. He says, I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he humbled himself and went to the cross. You know, humility is based in reality. It's a call for sober judgment. Romans chapter 12 says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. He doesn't say this, but he doesn't say think of yourself more lowly than you are. So, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. rather in sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. And it goes on to talk about gifts given in the body and how we should serve one another. And if a man's gift is leadership, he should lead diligently. If, if a man's gift is serving, he should serve with, with all his heart. It's saying, recognize what God has given you. Recognize who you are and use it, but don't inflate yourself. We need sober judgment about ourselves. We can so easily allow, allow pride to rise up. When I was in my teenage years, I used to go to Nottingham Forest football club. I, I would have described myself as a fan back then. And I used to enjoy singing all the songs, went to all the home games. But there was one song I struggled with. And, uh, and some of you will have sung it for other clubs. And it went, and it's Nottingham Forest, Nottingham Forest FC. We're by far the greatest team the world has ever seen. And I'm like looking around going, we're losing 2-0. Like, we're, you know, we're like... We're, we're trying to avoid the drop. We've been knocked out of the cup. Do you know, really seriously, we're by far really. No, we're better this thing. You know, we're a reasonably decent team, trying to avoid relegation. You know, it's kind of, kind of, I think that'll be a bit. You know, more realistic. You know, but I think we need sober judgment. What about ourselves? Our, our humility must be based in our reality. The gifts and grace God has given us. But let me say this also, the reality of what he has saved us from. The reality of how far lost we were. If you know anything of the grace of God today, if you know anything that Christ redeemed you, that you would know how far he redeemed you. Now one of our problems, many of us, is that we don't understand how much we have been forgiven. Now, The Bible, Jesus says, he, uh, he who has been forgiven much will love much. And if you think about it, that's a problem if you don't think you've been forgiven much. Because yeah. I want to love much. So I need a revelation of what I've been forgiven. I remember uh, asking a, a, a congregation one time, and I, and I teed it up a little bit. I talked about some of the things that, that you can do with your life, some mistakes that you can make. And, and I said, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, where, where 1 is you've been forgiven a little, you didn't do that much wrong. And, 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 and 10 is like, you know, you were the worst of the worst. Like, who, who would describe themselves as a 10 one man put his hand up. I said, that's our problem. We're all a 10. We are. We're all a 10. I was so far down a slimy pit and God lifted me out by his grace. I am forgiven only by his grace. I stand before God only by his grace. You could list up like, have I been to prison? Have I, listen, I was a sinner in desperate need of a saviour. I was so far gone, I needed redemption from on high. And the same is true for you. And our humility is based on understanding of what God has given us by his grace and how far he has redeemed us. Secondly, humility is a choice. I think we can put it up on the screen. 1 Peter 5, verses five to six says, and and note, this is written by Peter, who if you look through the gospels, had a few uh, brushes with pride and learned some humbling lessons. But later on, he's able to say this, all of you, can we say all of you? All of you, clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor or gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. My friends, this is something we put on. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a daily choice. You got up this morning, you put clothes on, thank God. But you put humility on. It's not about your personality. It's not the the culture that you grow up in. It's not the frame of mind or how you feel or what you ate yesterday. It's a decision. You put on humility. You choose to humble yourself. I choose to humble myself. It's something that I have to put on. He says, clothe yourself in humility towards one another. Notice the intentional language of Jesus in Philippians 2. He made himself nothing or made himself of no reputation. He took the nature of a servant. He humbled himself. He became obedient and he did it. All for us. Humility doesn't happen to you. You make it happen. You choose it. And when you intentionally lower yourself, you become sweet to the world around you. you know, when you lower yourself, you learn to appreciate. When you lower yourself, you learn to appreciate others. Because you know, it is someone of superiority that expects to be served. Butler, servant. Waiter, gas on. Come here, serve me. It is the humble that has no expectation to be served. Let me say to you, some of you in the workplace, you have people further down the corporate food chain, as it were, paid to serve you. Please appreciate them. Please appreciate them. Who are you to be served? In humility, put it on. Appreciate they, they might be there to do their job. If you go to a restaurant and somebody's serving you, appreciate them. You say, well, they're, they're paid to do it. Yes, they are. And who are you in life that anyone should serve you, that you should be blessed enough to go and pay to have service? Appreciate them. If they're doing a great job, tell them they're doing a great job. If they're doing a really great job, tell their manager what a great job they're doing. Tell them I need to give them a pay rise. I do stuff like this as, as much as I can. I, I love it. People are serving And serve well. But sometimes you go places and people aren't serving you that well. Well, show humility, put it on. You know, we we were out the other evening and and the customer service was diabolical. There's this guy serving us who like clearly really did not want to be there and did not want us to be there and we're the paying customer. And what but one of us kinda said, Maybe he's had a bad day. And I said, Hey but how's your day been? He said, Long. So I, said, I said, what time did you start? It was about 10 o'clock. And, and he said, Well, I started at 2, but I'm a student and I was in for lectures at 9. I said, That's a long day. I said, What are you studying? And he, he, we struck up conversation. His whole countenance lifted, his demeanor lifted. He's exhausted. He's trying to pay his bills, trying to pay his rent. In humility, just put it on. Humble yourself, be a blessing. You know, when we lower ourselves, we, we learn to appreciate. I, I know some of you, when you come into church, you don't like being told where to park. And, and you don't like the car park team uh, telling you to slow down. Let me tell you, I'm not preaching this message to make this point, but while I'm here, I'm going to make it. You know, l- listen, somebody got up early. And and got in a yellow jacket and got themselves repaired and put some signs out. And they're doing a job because they understand parking hundreds of cars in a way that you don't if you're not on the team. And you might not want to park there, but they know who's coming behind you. They're not doing it to annoy you. Ah, here he comes. Let's stick him there. It always winds him up. Yes, beauty. No. They're trying to do an orderly car park. Humble yourself. Go, thank you, I I will park there. And get out your car and say, thank you, you're doing a great job today. In humility. And if you can't do that, go to another church because we could use your space. I kind of mean that and I kind of don't. I thought I'd say it anyway. When you lower yourself, you learn to be teachable. I love a teachable spirit, a humble spirit is open to learn. It doesn't think it knows it all, but is willing to learn. No, I love some of the mature people in in this congregation that that come week in, week out, hungry to receive from God, hungry for a word. I love that spirit. I pray if I make it to 80, I'll I'll be there coming to church, another generation preaching and just, just saying, God, would you speak to me today? Would you speak to my heart? I wouldn't be there going, yeah, I've heard this before. I've been in, you know, I've been in way too many sermons. I preach this myself. It was better than that. You know, I like, I just want to come. Oh God, speak to me. Yeah. Have a humble heart. Encourage feedback. You know, we ask people who pass through this house, honestly, what, you know, did anything jar? Is anything as a blind spot? You know, we had a friend leads a church uh, down in, in Watford and, you know, he's, he's one of our peers, if, if, if you like. And, um, but was in our home for a, for a couple of nights and not only passed through the church, but was sat at our family table. And before he went, I said, hey Tim, would, would you honestly tell me, like be candid with me? Have you seen anything in me as a husband or as a father that you'd want to correct? Is there anything in me that, that seemed out of whack to you? Please tell me or anything in the church. And we had a conversation because I, I, I want to learn. I don't think that I'm necessarily going to go through my life without any blind spots. And I hope you don't too. When we lower ourselves, we learn to apologize. We learn that we could be wrong. I know for some of you, the idea that you could be wrong is like completely alien. But let me tell you, I don't care who you are. You, You could be wrong. Now, I used to think that I could be wrong, but I thought it was probably unlikely that I was. And then I got married and I learned that most of the time I am wrong. And that's not a slight on Esther. It's just a, a, a real fact. You know, I, I used to say, "Well, you know, it could be my mistake." But I was thinking, but I don't really believe it is. <laughs> and then I found out actually it was. <laughs> you know, so you're you learning. You get some couples. You know, and she goes, "You said Wednesday," and, and he says, "No, I said Thursday." She said, "No, you said Wednesday." He said, "No, I said Thursday," and she says, "No, look here, you wrote it down Wednesday," and he goes, "Oh well." So like, not oh not oh well. Oh, well, I am sorry. Or oh, I am so sorry. Why don't we try that together? I, I am, am so, so sorry. sorry. Yeah, some of you can't even do it now. You know, it's like, listen, listen. Just, just try it with me. Humor me. I am so sorry. You know, so some of you, something will break off you. You haven't said it for years. You're like, I am so sorry. Oh. I am so sorry. Let me tell you, some of you guys, it will not undermine your masculinity to say, I am so sorry. Or if you think that's sexist, you ladies too. I am so sorry. (laughs) When we lower ourselves, we learn to encourage others. In our humility, we recognize people's contribution. We build them up easily. That was amazing. If you're proud, you think you're amazing. There's no room for someone else to be amazing. You were incredible. That blessed me. When we lower ourselves, we learn to serve. Jesus says, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. It's an incredible scripture, which for the sake of time, I'm not going to take us to now. But but to reference in, in John chapter 13, like Jesus is there. It's, it's really not long before he goes to the cross. Uh, and it says, knowing that the Father had put all things under his power. Wow, just think about that for a moment. Knowing the Father had put all things under his power knowing where he come from and where he was going he got up from the table and he put an apron on and he knelt down and he washed the disciples feet knowing that god had put all things under his power and then he turns to them he says now you go do the same you go do the same and you can choose to serve let me say many of us in, in a home setting is where it can start, that we serve, that we appreciate, that we don't take someone else for granted in a home setting, but we begin by serving, not waiting for them to do that because that's their job. That we put humility on, and we do what maybe has to date been somebody else's job, but there's no reason why it can't be your job. Some of us, we can learn to serve at work, help somebody out, go the extra mile, stay late to help somebody. Do them a favor. They may be subordinate to you, how, how, even more powerful. We can choose to serve at church on, on a team. I love our, our teams here and the serving culture, the willing spirit. You know, and if, if you're, you always just arrive here and everything's set up, it doesn't set itself up. Some people get in early and clean toilets at half seven in the morning to make a space for you. They, they hoover this hall and they pray over the chairs as they do it, saying, God, let this be holy ground. Let this be a place of encounter. And if you just walk in week after week and, and think, well, that's somebody else's job to look after my kids and the kids' work. No, it isn't. In, put humility on. Learn to serve. Learn to be a servant. Jesus, knowing the Father had put all things under his power, he knelt down. We don't need our feet cleaning, but we can find other ways to serve one another. Tamsin. Would you come? We're nearly through. I know time has gone. Humility, thirdly, is blessed. Humility is blessed. The lion became the lamb. He didn't stop being the lion, but in humbling himself, he was exalted to the highest place. The lamb of God who took away the sin of the world, he was exalted to the highest place. The greatest journey of humility that has ever and ever will be made was followed by the greatest journey of exaltation. 10,000 times 10,000. And so it is with you. Luke 14, everyone who exalts himself will be humble, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. James chapter 4, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he he will lift you up. And he will lift you up. The problem is that sometimes we want to exalt ourselves. We want to defend ourselves. We We want to justice for ourselves. We want to fight our corner. But in humility... Humble yourselves and allow the Lord to lift you up. I know some people where there's relational breakdown. Thank God, not, not aware in this church, but I see relational breakdown. You know, two parties who've, who they're both hurting and they both hurt each other. And the truth is, it's probably 50 50, but they both feel like it's 90 10. And they're both the 10. I don't, I don't care if you think it's just the 10. Take your 10 and go to somebody and say, please forgive me for my part in this. Uh, the lamb wins. Allow Christ to come because he enters in into that space where you stop trying to fight your corner some years ago there was a esther was driving we'd not long been married, and someone like, came right across the carriageway onto her side of the road and crashed into her and, uh, and, and, and admitted that it was his fault and got out said he was okay and and we had to you know submit the insurance information and A couple of days later, got a bit of a shock when we got a phone call to say uh, it it was Esther's fault that she drove uh, across the road into the path of this guy. And and there's a part of justice rose up in me. Like, this this was unjust. I wanted justice. I wanted New Testament for myself. I wanted Old Testament for him. You know, for myself, Lord, forgive me. Let your grace be poured upon me. For him, the thief shall repay seven times. I call it down in the name of and it's like no I don't think so not so much the Lord spoke to us on the same day just to just to let it go they were offering 50-50 settlement we said okay 50-50 settlement we humbled ourselves let me tell you the lamb wins humble yourself let the Lord exalt you a little while later some people who didn't know about our situation said we feel the Lord spoke to us to give you our car And we received a much greater value than we would have won in the court case. And we learned a lesson in the process to humble ourselves and let the Lord lift us up. And it's a beautiful thing when he does it. For God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Can I say as a final thought, none of us can afford to be opposed by God. None of us. Let me say it again. None of us can afford to be opposed by God. If if you want to be opposed by God, you're an idiot because you will lose. Don't let him resist you. Humble. He opposes the proud. He gives grace. He shows favor to the humble of heart. As we finish and the musicians join us, I wonder if we can pray. I'm going to ask us to do two things. The first thing I'm going to ask us to do is, is to take a moment to say thank you. If you know anything of the grace of God here today, to say thank you to the one, the lion of the tribe of Judah, who humbled himself for you who laid down his very life. Can we take a moment in our seats just to say thank you? Thank you, Lord, that you became a servant. You who were in heaven, surrounded by glory. You became a servant. You became obedient to death on a cross for me and where you are. Take a moment to say thank you. If you don't know anything of the grace of God, why don't you just open your heart in this place, in this atmosphere? Allow the Holy Spirit to begin a work in you. And I wonder where we are. We can just take a moment. Literally, I encourage you. Say thank you. Say thank you. Take a moment. Say thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you that you humbled yourself for me. That I would be lifted up. Thank you. Secondly, church, let's take a moment to consider our own hearts. To consider the pride that may be lurking in our own hearts. I wonder if you've been taking someone for granted. If you've been judging somebody else. If you've considered certain things, jobs beneath you. You can humble yourself today. As Mark and the band lead us in a final song. Take a moment. I encourage you to do whatever you feel you need to do. For some of you, you might want to stand in worship. For some of you, you might want to kneel down. Say, Lord, I humble myself. You could pray, Lord, humble me, but a better prayer is to say, Lord, I humble myself. I humble myself. Forgive me for pride and help me to walk in your ways.